Hey, y'all. You're listening to Diagnosing Sitcoms and Movies, the DSM podcast. We help make mental health more comfortable by using Black movies and shows we know and love and culture to remove stigma. So join our convo with your host, Courtney Copeland, licensed mental health counselor. And Dr. B, licensed professional counselor. Hi, everybody. (laughs) This episode, we are going to be talking about one of, I feel like I say this every episode, but like really one of my all time favorite movies from forever. Um, the 1978 film classic, The Wheels. The Wizard! <laughs> <laughs> He's the wizard! Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for my moment. He's the wizard. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I like it when Miss wants to say, Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, before we get started, can I ask you, um, I don't know if this is a, a, a cultural question, um, a, a familial question. Um, <laughs> okay. Is The Wiz a Christmas movie? You know, I thought it was Thanksgiving because of the turkey. And let me just talk about that turkey, because she came out real cute. You know, she wasn't falling off the mm-hmm. bone, but she was nice and golden, living this life. like Good and basted. Hmm. So I thought, See, was- I thought it was a Thanksgiving movie too, but my mom, for some reason, has been trying to make us watch The Wiz on Christmas every year. It's not a Christmas movie, Mom. I know okay. you listen to the podcast. It, it, we've come to a, a consensus here at the DSM podcast. It yes. is a Thanksgiving movie. Agreed. And so we need to adjust it just, just by a couple of days. I mean, you know, 30 days, you know. <laughs> and bam. But who's counting? Um, neither here nor there. It's a Thanksgiving <laughs> movie, Mom. Um, it is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, but then it's I'm glad like... that's been settled. <laughs> so we've digressed long enough. Rosie, what are some of your absolute quotables from this movie? He's a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's the best song ever. Because of how I sing it and I sing it obnoxiously. Um, That's why I, that's my quotable, especially in the beginning. So let me, I have a confession. Okay. I was like, yeah, I've seen The Wiz, you know, and I'm playing it based off of memory in my head. And I'm like, yeah, Dorothy and, you know, whoever and whoever. And then I realized there is no beginning and there's no end, Rosie. So, I, of course, I watched the movie again because I had to watch the movie again. And I realized that I cut out, as a child, mm-hmm. I cut out the beginning and the end because they scared me. Mm, let's unpack that. What do you mean? The kids, when the kids came, the graffiti kids came off the wall. The munchkins? Girl, <laughs> I said, nope. <laughs> that did not happen. I don't like it. <laughs> okay, and so I, that's one of my favorite parts. And did you exactly. know, did you know that the, the, the graffiti kids, those were really just park, those were the kids that were playing at the park because Evermean was the parks department commissioner and she didn't like it that the kids were out there playing. So flat, flat and stuck like that is how she exactly. had the kids. <laughs> exactly. And so... <laughs> <laughs> So that's another quotable. That's some evil uh, shit. You take ex- all of the park kids and you make them into graffiti? Just, you just move them. 
put him against the wall. Splat. You know, like I'm gonna throw a kid and he's just gonna stay there. <laughs> flat, flat, and stuck like that. Well, so, I mean, to to come to your aid, you're not the only one. Dorothy was terrified. No, no. <laughs> I was so scared. I was like, girl, you get scared. She over there looking. I would have been like, get the hell out the sandbox. You're just chilling. <laughs> they coming closer. And I'm like, uh, run. <laughs> Why are you just sitting there? <laughs> so I was, as a kid, I was like, nope, delete. That's not in your memory. Done. And so when I watched it again, I realized how much I love the numbers, which, um, and Miss she's, One is her name. Miss One. Yes. Miss One. Who was in real, because you know, like everything is an exaggeration of real life. In, yeah. in Oz. And so Miss mm-hmm. One was the numbers lady. If you picked up on that, we can all get back to running our business. <laughs> we can all. <laughs> yes. yes. Four, three, three. You want to play more than one number today, baby? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I loved it. And so that to me was the best. And then don't you bring me no bad news. You can't be my best of friends as opposed to paying dues. We Don't have to dig deep into that little Don't you bring me. I was like, but can that be my anthem? No. Don't you bring me. No. Listen, 2020, 2021, at, at the beginning, y'all trying to bring bad news. Don't you bring me no bad news. I'm sick of it. That's where I'm at right now. So I, I relate to her in that way. Mm-hmm. But she did kind of scare me as a kid. And so hence, I cut that part of the movie out. Girl, you cut half the movie. <laughs> What was left in your memory? The middle. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And so... All they did was ease on down the road and you... (laughs) Let you tell it. And that was the easy part. Okay, so that's why it stayed. I compartmentalized my trauma and that is how I was able to survive to this point. Now, I'm not saying it's the healthiest thing, but it's how I did it, Okay. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that you really were able to identify with Dorothy and feel empathy with her. Put put yourself in her uh, silver slippers. Yes. And so everything that terrified Dorothy terrified you. (laughs) You better read it. (laughs) So what I'm hearing you saying is... (laughs) Yes, that was a whole session using a movie. (laughs) It can't be done, guys. one of my quotables is when the cowardly lion, when they're down in the subway, he said, My mama used to always say to me, Fleet. And they all go, Flee, Flee. That's my name, Fleetwood Coop Deville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mama had high ideas. <laughs> yes. Of the cowardly lion. I don't know if because my hair looked like his uh, through all of my young adulthood. I mean, young, young childhood. So I started getting perms, but I just love the cowardly lion. I'm a mean old lion. You know what it was? It was the uh, the fur boots for me. Ooh, with the heel? With the heel. With the heel? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've never, ever noticed he actually had a heel on that boot. He had a heel on his hoof. <laughs> His paw, rather. 
<laughs> Only a mean old lion will have a heel on his paw. Cause I'm a mean old lion. <laughs> okay all right as you were okay and then my last one is <laughs> bruh i was like i'm gonna want to fake cry like this for the rest of my life forever <laughs> anytime me and my especially my aunt when we talk about somebody crying and crying hard Yes, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so The Wiz is the 1978 American uh, musical adventure fantasy film loosely based on The Wizard of Oz. I feel like uh, basically in our community, it's known as The Black Wizard of Oz. Produced by Barry or Rob Cohen, but you know, basically it was Barry Gordy's movie. And there's so much tea behind the characters and how get, they got placed. So I just wanted to mention it. on that a little bit because you know that there was the stage play, The Wiz, and it was, you know, the the musical, and Stephanie Mills was Dorothy. Now I don't know if you know this or not, Stephanie Mills was in a long-term, strong relationship with Michael Jackson with black Michael yeah they mm. was in love she said I, I was Mrs. Jackson you let me tell it Ooh. and she was washing clothes and whatnot she might as well have been and when so you wash the drawers that's when your wife involved I mean <laughs> that was beautiful I'm using that oh that was great I loved it <laughs> I made it up <laughs> oh that's gonna be our first t-shirt um, <laughs> uh-huh. anywho, <laughs> and so Barry Gordy didn't necessarily like Michael being with Stephanie Mills because, you know, Michael was a part of the Motown machine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Stephanie Mills didn't like playing the game. I'm, mm-hmm. she was like, I'm not going to dinner with such and such because I don't care. Like, I'm not, I'm not a puppet. And, you know, Michael was Barry's puppet and so Michael was like oh you know Stephanie you know we have to and she wasn't with it so mm-hmm. yeah I did the light voice for Michael you know I was say, it came out like that um <laughs> I got my Michael Jackson ponytail today too you know it's the whole thing um I believe I had I, there's no fact but I believe that's why he was so adamant about Diane Ross not Stephanie Mills being in the film adaptation of the movie. And then, of course, we all know that him and Diana was messing and he was controlling her career. And so he wanted her in the movie, she was going to be in the movie. But I really feel like that's why Stephanie Mills was not Diana Ross. Because mm. she didn't want to play the game. The tea, honey. The industry is just so shady. And so I just wanted to take a second and shout out Stephanie Mills for being solid, being a real one. Being the original Dorothy, the OG. So when I was a kid, I used to think that the Cowardly Lion was, the, the Mino Lion was played by um, Reginald Bell Johnson, the, the dad from Urkel. I thought that was him. Really? And I thought the dad from Moesha was Nipsey Russell. <laughs> because of the hairline. Because of the hairline. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know, Frank had that. Sh- oh, I mean, that drum. Was- 
it wasn't until I got <laughs> to my tween years that I realized that those weren't all the same people. <laughs> that was my point of reference. You know, <laughs> good thing Sorry. you were ch- you were just a kid. You were a kid. What did I know? <laughs> what exactly? You didn't know no better. Not the because of the hairline though. All right, so we'll get into diagnosis. Let's just hit it hard. Okay. Let's ease on down this yellow brick road and start heavy. But can we uh, can we pause? Can we take a detour? And the fact that the the mm-hmm. people in eyes that they was hoes. Remember oh, when yeah. they threw the stuff on them? That was basically them getting high because the hoes threw the drugs on them, and that's how they oh, got high. Yeah. And then they got loopy and they passed out. Yeah, I said this took a dark turn. Did they go to Studio Fifty Four? What is happening uh, yeah, here? Yeah, I was like. That was a moment for me. Where I was like, I don't, I don't understand. And I, I, I was like, okay, maybe they're trying to get the black experience, you know, and highlight the black experience, the black culture. And then I'm like, how? No, Why? girl, they hit the whole stroll, and Why? they got high. They got total high too. You know what? Let's <laughs> total. Total was a brick. <laughs> I know it was like this. It was stiff. I said that was good acting. That was that was the best acting. You know, he need, Toto needed a, 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 an award for that. He was stiff. <laughs> then he said, we need to do. We need to do our own awards. We need to do the DSM o- movie awards. <laughs> Toto, yes, we do. We do. We really should. And Toto gets best actor in this film. Best animal actor. he was with her but you know at the same time he's also the reason why she ended up in Oz so uh, you know friends I don't know if he deserves the award after all but she needed that trip she did she owes her whole future life and career to to Toto look at you doing it again you better you better be making the connections Speaking of Dorothy. Yes. And some of the questionable decisions that she made all throughout the movie. I diagnosed her with devialization disorder. Mm, Tell the friends about it. Okay. So because we're not sure exactly if Oz is like a weird dream sequence, if it's a bad acid trip, or if she really (laughs) physically goes to Oz. I gave her that diagnosis. It is the experiences of unreality or detachment with respect to surroundings. That can be with individuals or objects are experienced as unreal, dreamlike, foggy, lifeless, or visually oriented. Um, During the depersonalization or derealization experience, Reality testing remains intact. So she felt like she was really in that experience, mm-hmm. whether she was really there or not, or just lost on Prospect Place or wherever she said she lived. <laughs> I'm thinking, because she came back, she came back in the snow with the dog and her jacket on and ran up the stairs. We didn't see what happened after that. But um, so, yeah, okay. Well, you know, I was thinking more so separation anxiety disorder for Dorothy. Tell me more. <laughs> so um, so it says uh, for the diagnostic criteria, it says developmentally inappropriate, inappropriate and excessive fear or anxiety concerning separation from those 
whom the individual is, a, is attached as evidenced by at least three of the following. So reoccurring excessive distress while anticipating experiencing separation from the home. And so that made me think about the fact that um, when she was talking, she was like, um, what was her aunt's name? You better what name. Auntie M. Auntie M. And so um, when Aunt M said, you haven't even been past whatever street she said, you know, just, you know, kind of the vibe that it's given even in, during that that opening scene with them singing together as a family and everyone knew their notes. It was great. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, they're, they're telling her, you know, it's okay to go and venture out. You're going to have to grow. And then even on M really saying, well, I have to accept that you all are growing and let you all be free and be who you are. So that's why I said that she's experiencing separation from the home. And then for persistent excessive worry about losing major attachment figures, again, as far as like a uh, possible harm to themselves. And so I think she like maybe feeling like she can't be alone. Persistent excessive fear of reluctance about being alone or without major attachment figures. So the reluctance of her wanting to leave or even just run and go and find Oz. Like she was, she had a moment where I'm just scared. I'm afraid. But guess what? I, well, and I think also in this, in this moment for her, she realizes I can't get out of here unless I leave this spot. That's why I gave her separation anxiety disorder. I think both can exist, especially in her real life. Um, the separation anxiety was there. And I think that that is the reason that Toto led her to us because mm-hmm. Toto's clearly the hero in the movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason why Toto led her to us. And she had the derealization de- experience. And then she's coming back, possibly having worked through that uh, issue with separation anxiety. And it, it's often uh, more so with parental figures. But I think because mm-hmm. she was living with ITM, we don't know the situation there, if ITM raised right. her or right. if that was um, basically her parental figure, if that was who she had, then that could be that issue. I know ITM was ready for her and, and uncle to uh, have a house by themselves, though, because that's basically why she was like, girl, you got to get this other job so you can get up out of here. Me and uncle okay. retire. We won't walk around the house naked. You and Toto always here. Y'all got okay. to go. We don't know her relationship with her. But I do want to know that um, as far as the prevalence of, of separation anxiety, it is typically seen between um, children younger than 12 years of age. Mm-hmm. But I think it is worth noting, like, you know, that it still can be experienced at an adult level. And I, that's why I, I would give it this diagnosis, give her this diagnosis. But I don't know. I think what it could be, we could dig deeper and assume some some history there is an insecure attachment style based on the fact that maybe she lost her parents or maybe there is a situation where she couldn't be with her parents. And so that removal of those parental figures caused her to cling on to uh, the family that she did have. Mm -hmm causing her not to want to leave. And that could also be part of, she could have lost them very young. And that's maybe why she wants to continue to work at the elementary school and not work with older kids because Mm -hmm. she's still going through that unresolved trauma within herself where that is the age that she couldn't, she hasn't developed past because of that might be when the experience happened. I'm assuming a lot. And so this is why it's always important to have a comprehensive assessment of what goes on with your clients so that you can know the back history of exactly what happened. 
Yeah, because then also when you look at the cultural related diagnostic issues, and so these are things, these are sections that are usually listed after the diagnosis and the description and criteria. And so it does give you information and things to consider before giving the diagnosis. And so one of those is the cultural related variations in the degree in which can be considerable de- desirable to tolerate separation. And then also it's important to differentiate separation anxiety from a high value that may be in some cultures, right? So maybe mm-hmm. in some cultures, it is appropriate for an individual to be home um, as caretaker, or maybe there is a strong interdependence among family members. And so it's important to note that culturally. And then even when you were mentioning your diagnosis, I was thinking like, culturally, in some cases, hallucinations can be seen as a spiritual gift. And yep. so like her being her having this experience would be technically seen in some cultures as an awakening or like a mm, vision an enlightenment. Know. Right. And so um, those are things to consider, especially when diagnosing individuals as well. Cultural nuances. Which is why uh, part of the reason why we even did this show from the beginning is like the DSM. Yes, we use it. It's in the name of the show because it is the tool that clinicians use to diagnose. However, we want to bring light to the fact that it is not culturally sound. It does not represent all cultures. So these might be the diagnoses that are placed upon people that are given out or even collaborated and built upon with a client. However, it is very difficult to separate the cultural experience that happens with people from these diagnoses. And so while you and your clinician may have a good relationship and you see that as a gift and you express to them, no, in my culture, I feel like that is, I have the gift, I have this extra ability, they still might have to diagnose you. <laughs> and so this is the tool that they will be using when that happens. I also I, I wanted to, to do this. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. ahead. No, do okay. you, girl. But then I also think that's why it's so important for us to find cult- counselors that are culturally competent or have experience with diverse populations to understand that as well, you know, and not to take that into consideration when they're doing their diagnosis. So just like you shop around for a car or you shop around for a dentist, you want to shop around for your counselor. You want to make sure that there's some type of rapport. You know, it's like um, dating. Yeah, it's like dating. And so that's why you want to do that. Because if you do bring up, hey, I have visions, um, you want to be sure that your your counselor or your therapist are, you know, culturally aware or inept to understand, okay, this is going to be a part of your treatment plan or this is going right. to be a part of your journey. And so um, those are things to consider when seeking out therapy as well. Sorry, Courtney, what were you saying? No, you're completely right because it will change what your treatment will look like. If you have envisions, is this a strength that we can use? Is your spirituality something that we can use during therapy and work with together? Or are the voices in your head telling you to do something? Like it it depends on how it, it really dictates your cultural competency is going to dictate what that treatment is going to look like for that individual. And so it is very important that you do have a culturally um, competent counselor, that you have someone that you're comfortable with. And if the first person isn't a fit, please don't be discouraged. Continue to look until you find what it is that works for you. Also, therapists, don't be discouraged if that client isn't a good fit for you, you know, and be be understanding and know your your limits and where you are culturally. Recognize them, educate yourself, but don't always feel like because someone is presenting in a certain way that you have to diagnose it or you have to take on that case. If you're not 
equipped or trained to work with an individual that's presenting in a certain manner, it's okay to accept that and say, hey, you know what? I don't know if we're a good fit, but I have this recommendation or ref- a referral to another counselor. This is someone you should consider. So um, just a heads up for therapists as well. Amen. And I just want to highlight how angry Dorothy was when she realized all she had to do was click her heels. <laughs> she said, you mean I could have went home this whole time just by clicking my heels three times? But see, and then here's the thing. I feel like all of those characters were pretty much like Dorothy. They were parts of her. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't have if she hadn't realized those she parts didn't of go her. through the journey. Exactly. So, it, yeah, you have. Yeah, we have the answers to get out of the situation that we're in. But then sometimes you have to go through the journey in order for you to learn something about yourself or to learn about, to discover something from that journey that is, is meant for you. But so if you just apply the solution, then what are you going to learn? If she had, if she had just clicked her heels, we wouldn't have had the whiz. Exactly. Facts. And I think that that's highlighted in her final song, Home, which low-key makes me cry because I'm a crybaby. It touches my spirit in a special way. She says like, like this, this might be a fantasy, but it taught me to love. So it's real. And I think that sometimes we do, we want the end result. A lot of times we want the end result without having to go through the journey. And the journey is necessary. So I'm, I'm glad that she learned to appreciate it. While she was mad, like I could have went home this whole time. But then right? she turned around and sang her song. And um, it was everything. To the, the pioneer, the legend, the, the queen, the goddess, the, the all hail the throne. The everything, the icon, Lena Horn, yes, sung yes. her song and let her know, this is all you yeah. got to do to go home, baby. You've arrived. She said, everything you Whoo! needed, it was inside of you already. You already had it because all of the tools, all of the gifts, all of the power is inside mm. of you. Mm. <gasps> and uh, you know, <gasps> yes, I'm sorry. You know that. Uh, the choir was it the choir somebody sang that song at our graduation at our undergrad we graduated the same year undergrad you was there i, I was hung over oh okay well somebody <laughs> sang that song <laughs> and i was trying so hard not to cry you know i'm a cry baby i was like i'm not gonna be no bitch <laughs> suck that tear back in <laughs> yes that was a beautiful song but i also was disturbed by the little star babies and they snowsuits in the background like why we had the star babies in the snowsuits because it's 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 new york you put your baby in a snowsuit they outside they need to be in a snowsuit and you know every baby they're not warm enough if their if their arms and legs do not stretch out (laughs) in a star shape friends your baby not warm enough and that's secure not secure (laughs) Okay, so moving on to the Scarecrow, Michael Jackson as the Scarecrow, and that Reese cup, uh, that Reese cup cover on his nose. Okay, so I went several places while I was like, okay, Michael Jackson, you hated your nose that bad. You wanted them to put that Reese cup cover on your nose. I was like, come on now. And so I'm like, it started there. That's where it started. Right in that moment when he put that Reese cup on his nose, he was like, I'm I've never thought about it that way. Taken off. I've never thought about it that way. I went there. I went there this time when I watched it. 
I just, I'm, I'm greedy. So I was like, ooh, this, I love Reese cups. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you have as a, a, a diagnosis for Reese's cup nose man? Not Reese cup nose man. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely loved his voice in this movie. I got to sing that thing again. All of the songs that you can't win. Child. You can win, child. You can't win, child. You can't be given. You can't get out of the game. You can win. Like, oh, I love it. Yes. That is the best song. Can't get out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I promised myself I wasn't going to sing during this episode, but it's so hard. And I just want to do the crow's dance routine. Like, <laughs> yeah, they was getting it. They was getting it. Yo, the costuming, whoever did the costuming on this movie, they deserved an Oscar. They, yes. They deserved an Oscar. Yes, they did. They another they did. one. When we do our, uh, <laughs> our DSM Oscars, the Grouches, yes. we'll have to give them an award. Okay, so I diagnosed Scarecrow with dependent personality disorder. And I think the quote that best goes with that to explain that diagnosis would be when Dorothy, when, when he fell on the ground and Dorothy <laughs> told him, you're just a product of some negative thinking. They told you yes. you couldn't do it and you believed them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've all been in that spot where somebody, the, ease, the, the negative stuff is always harder to believe. People could tell you you're great every day, but if one person tells you you can't do it, that's it. You hold on to that for dear life. Yeah. And he had all them crows, <laughs> brother crows, telling him he couldn't do it for so long. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the criteria for a uh, dependent personality disorder is that I feel that he fits is having difficulty making everyday decisions without an excessive amount of advice and reassurance from others. Mm. He basically went to go see the Wiz because Dorothy was like, he could get you some brains. The fact that they said some brains, it bothered me. Huh. We're going to get the scarecrow some brains. Huh. <laughs> Needs others to assume responsibility for most major areas of his or her life. And basically, he went from the crows to Dorothy. Mm. The okay. crows were responsible for his life. And then mm-hmm. that was over. And so then Dorothy assumed that responsibility. Has difficulty expressing disagreement with others because of fear of loss of support or approval. The crows mm-hmm. kept him up there and he agreed to it. Him whole life has difficulty initiating projects or doing things on his or her own because of a lack of self-confidence and judgment or abilities rather than lack of motivation or energy. He felt like he didn't have a brain, so he couldn't do nothing. And that really hurt him self-confidence. I'm going to stop saying him. That really <laughs> hurt his self-confidence. I just feel so bad for Scarecrow. And then lastly, goes (laughs) goes to excessive lengths to obtain nurturance and support from others to to the point of volunteering to do things that are unpleasant. Don't worry, Dorothy. It's just a little rough on my filing system. Scarecrow, they're literally sawing you in half. Well, I mean, he can't feel it. (laughs) That's what he said. He He had feelings. He didn't have a brain. (laughs) He He couldn't feel him saw in half. He all right. He all right. So that was my diagnosis for Scarecrow. What say you? So I was thinking it's a combination of major depressive disorder and anxiety. So 
more so, I think more so anxiety than major depressive disorder. All right, let me look at major depressive and I might just stick with major depressive. So I'm thinking um, depressed mood, feel sad, empty, hopeless. So, I mean, obviously that was his whole thing. He felt hopeless, you can't win, right? Then um, diminished interest or pleasure in all or most activities. So he he had he may have had interest of getting down, but it diminished more. And instead of the scarecrows being people, I see the scarecrows being thoughts or like, and you know, sometimes um, it may not be people, it's really ourselves that get in get in our way. And so like the, the negative or uh, yeah, the negative language or the stinking, think, stinking thinking <laughs> that we do. <laughs> you better um, use that the- theory. <laughs> I know, right? So like cognitive, so that in in theory, cognitive behavior theory would be a perfect uh, tool or technique to use for the scarecrow because it really was this thought process that um, attributed to his behavior. So the scarecrows were his thoughts, which then turned into his behavior of feeling stuck or his stuckness. And therefore he never moved. He never got down. And so, um, that's why I'm I completely that- agree with the um, way that you're conceptualizing that. I just don't see how it fits solely to that diagnosis, though. OK, so maybe not so much depressive. And so and then I'm also thinking my OK, my experience with depression. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's why I'm like kind of in between depression and anxiety. Well, and it's like a cycle, if you will, like sometimes depression and anxiety seem to go hand in hand because Mm -hmm. the anxiety causes you to lose interest that causes you to sleep more or to um, have an increase or decrease in appetite. Um, But the anxiety is, I tell my clients, anxiety is a natural part of of living. It's like the human experience, right? It protects Um, you. It protects you, Healthy levels protect you. Exactly, exactly. Unhealthy levels debilitate you. Exactly. And so that's why, again, I feel like that approach with a that in, uh, diagnosis of anxiety is why it's appropriate for Scarecrow. But then there's still certain parts of uh, depression that still applies to Scarecrow. And so the reason why I, I said the two um, is more so like that thought process, um, the reoccurring thoughts, the negative thoughts, the excessive worry, the excessive worry of, oh, what if I do get down? What is out there for me? What if I do get down? I might get hurt, you know? Um, and so that actually added to that sense of hopelessness with depression. So I think there, there, it's like he could have both diagnoses at, similar to me. I feel like sometimes I could be like a scarecrow. I, I could be like scarecrow. That's and who you identify with? In a way, like out of everyone in the movie, I identified with You him. can't win, Rosie. You can't win. <laughs> <laughs> you have lots of brains. You have more than just some brains. You got lots of brains. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so funny because it's like, really, for him, it, it's like, that, and that's the part with anxiety and the part of really being able to take yourself out of that dark place. Like, how I would describe anxiety and depression for me is like, I'm doing great, I'm walking, and then I fall into this hole, and it's a dark hole. And it comes out of nowhere. Like, that's sometimes how depression feels. Like, my, it comes out mm-hmm. of nowhere. Anxiety is still there. And some days I'm like, okay, whatever, girl, shut up. I call my anxiety, little bitch. I'm like, shut up, little bitch. And so sometimes she go away and she don't come back for a while because she don't like being called little bitch. But then someday she come back and be like, no, nah, you the little bitch. And I'd be like, mm. And so anyway... 
Um, <laughs> like depression and anxiety is like I fall into this hole and I'm I'm trying to get out. And then the scarecrows are like, you can't win. Or like, you can't get out. And I'm like, but I can't. <laughs> so scarecrow couldn't get down and you can't get out. Okay, so I appreciate this conceptualization and this um, contrast, comparing contrast that you've done with yourself and scarecrow. However, scarecrow is not you. So I, I will give scarecrow. you depression. Yes, I will give you depression for a scarecrow. I will take away anxiety. While they often are coupled together, I think that we, for him, we could do depression and the personality disorder together. Or, because I think the personality disorder explains some of the things that you were seeing as anxiety mm-hmm. when you're over-identifying with the client. <laughs> Wait, first of all, I didn't realize Scarecrow was my client. (laughs) He's not my client. (laughs) I love you, but uh, (laughs) I might have a little, uh, is it, I always get it confused. Is it transference or counter-transference? Counter-transference. Yeah, we have a little bit too much counter-transference. And so, (laughs) and what that means is that I see a little too much of myself and my clients. So I may overly do things. I may go out of my way or I may associate certain behaviors or things similar to myself rather than looking at it from the client's perspective, which can be a problem when you're actually working in therapy. You don't want to label them or put your own perceptions or your issues onto the client because that that clouds your judgment and your ability to, to look at the situation objectively. What she said. Moving on to Tim Man. <laughs> Yo, when they opened up his chest, hello. <laughs> Nobody home in Soulville. <laughs> Poor Tim Man. Poor his Tim song Tim. was fire too. And yes. got sampled by Joel Santana. Uh, yeah, what would I do? Mm. Yeah. And then it turned into a bop at the end and he was tap dancing to it. Like, huh. Oh, did. See, and then. And that's why I said that that the characters, like, you know, the of the Wiz are a part of Dorothy's personality because, yeah, you might feel like you can't win. And then you might feel like, damn, my heart is so broken. I don't even want love. And then you feel it just be layers. Do of you shit. feel like it's Dorothy's experience or they are representations of the black experience? Mm. Mm. I see. I see what you're doing. I mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. It might be. It mm-hmm. might be. And even mm-hmm. his song, it started off as oh. a sad in the blues. Mm-hmm. And then that man said, slide some oil to like, <laughs> and then it turned into a bop and he started tap dancing. Like, well, I think it's a representation of the black experience. Sometimes slide we don't on. have no feelings. We have to take the feelings out because we so hurt. Mm. And his relationship with Teeny is how sometimes black relationships and black love can or be troubled. Oppressor. Yes, because of the oppression mm. put upon us from the mm. system, designed to tear us apart and make us enemies instead of partners. And all he wanted to do was love Teeny. <laughs> but he loved her because that's real. 
Black women coming in all shades, all shapes, and all sizes. And Black men love us in each shape, shade, and size. You can find it's going to, whatever you think about somebody, it is some man out there that is loving the hell out of her. Mm-hmm. Back to the subject at hand. I diagnosed uh, Tim Man with somatic symptom disorder. Mm, tell us about it, friend. Yes, because I really, I really struggled because his is a whole lack of feeling. And mm-hmm. so much of what we do is based upon feeling and emotions. And so I finally settled on somatic symptom disorder, which is one or more somatic symptoms, which basically means like physical or like medical um, the word somatic. So one or more somatic symptoms that are distressing or result in significant disruption of daily life. Him not having a physical heart was creating the disruption in his life. With excessive thoughts or feelings or behaviors related to the somatic symptom or associated health concern as manifested by disproportionate and persistent thoughts about the seriousness of his symptoms. So he really felt like this was like, what, what would I do if I could feel? Like he said in his song, mm. persistently high level of anxiety about the um, health concern or symptoms. And so he, because he didn't have heart, he felt he ended up in the relationship that he was in with Teeny and being a seat cushion. For Teeny, Teeny. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, excessive time and energy devoted to these symptoms or health concerns. And I feel like he whole went to go see the Wiz with a couple of strangers so that right. he could get a heart. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really hard for me to try to come up with a diagnosis with him for him. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I think I would give the same diagnosis. We agree. Yay. Yay. Um, and then, <laughs> me no lie. You mean coward? No, me I mean me no lie. <laughs> Yo, when the Wiz was yelling, it was like, what do you want? You overstuffed animal cracker. And he was yes. like, I want to get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, overstuffed animal cracker. <laughs> so what did you give the cowardly lion? I mean, the mean The mean lion. lion. <laughs> I gave him, as you so um, deeply, profoundly explained and elaborated on earlier, I gave him generalized anxiety disorder, where the individual finds it difficult to control the worry. There's excessive anxiety and worry, um, apprehension, uh, expectation, and the anxiety and worry are associated with restlessness and feeling keyed up or on edge, difficulty concentrating or mind going blank, which I feel like is is what happened. And that was the and what do you want? You overstuffed animal cracker. I want to get the hell out of here. Like, I can't even think yeah. about courage. I want to get up out of here. My mind went blank. I'm scared again. I got to get out of here. The irritability, which was he didn't want anybody messing with him because, one, because he was irritable and that's why he was a statue. And so when they poked on him, he ah, and came out of the statue. Mm-hmm. But then also as a defense mechanism to protect himself, I'm being irritable and I'm pushing you guys away so that you can't get close and see that I'm really scared. We also have to talk about his suicide attempt on top of the building. Yes. Let me splatter. 
I know it. I know it. And so I, and I was, that was again a moment where I was like, I don't remember this as a kid. I, I really didn't remember that part. And then also like, wow, like why, why did he go to that level or that place um, after he did such a great job protecting his friends? And then it's like, you, but that's like, what he said. He said to be, to do that in the subway station only to lead us into this situation where they got drugged by the hoes on the whole stroll. Like, (laughs) (laughs) not the whole stroll. (laughs) He had had all this experience with what he felt like was um, his fear not allowing him to be confident at what it was that he was trying to do. And he said, yeah, I had this one experience of being courageous and brave in the subway station only to lead us into this this situation here. And so it, it just got to a point where it was too too much that anxiety kicked in and, and he heard that over the sense of reason and so they had to sing that I'm a lion it's okay and I love that song too I mean honestly Me too. friends okay I have a confession another confession um I have a, a what's called an inspirational playlist right so it's like if there's no real I genre too. oh my god yes there's no real genre. It's like, what the fuck are you listening to? Like, it will go from like Dolly Parton to like, like Dolly, is it Dolly Parton that sings I Hope You Dance to Cardi B? I don't know. Living my best life. Like, it just goes from that spectrum. It'll go from gospel to Megan Thee Stallion. Like, it's just like, it just, whatever gets me in the mood to pump, like to pump me up, to get me motivated. And I feel like I need to add this soundtrack to my playlist. Can I tell you that Brand New Day is literally on my playlist? Yeah. On that, that, like that playlist? Yep. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Friends, if you are not, if you don't have a playlist, get into it. Like, I mean, and I literally, this playlist has developed from each like difficult stage or like, you know, trying time because there's just certain music that just speaks to the moment or your soul and you'd be like, yes, Mm -hmm. like, this is what I needed today. Like, I need to just hear this over and over again. Um, so get you an inspirational playlist and include this soundtrack on it for starters. You're and I think sometimes we always, like if we're in a sad mood, that's not the time to listen to sad music. No. It's going nope. to keep you there. Yes. Music yes. really, it does, it is a powerful tool. And sometimes I feel that we rather just, I want to be able to relate to something instead of I want to use this as a tool to feel better. And mm-hmm. we have so many tools that are access and sometimes we don't use them to their full capabilities. And music mm-hmm. is a very powerful tool. So if you are sad, don't listen to sad music. That's not the time to go down with Mary J. That's the time to... Right, that's when... Be a lion. <laughs> what, was, what was one of her songs... Mary J got a good, a good song, a couple good songs that like that are like no more holleration, toleration type joints. You holleration know? in this dancery. That, yes. Holleration, holleration, yes. yes. Like you sometimes sometimes you need a song like that from MJ um to come on through. But yeah, she can be Yeah, you can feel just fine. Fine, 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 fine with Mary J <laughs> if you're sad. But you are not going down. With, with Mary J. J, if you are sad, because then you just gonna stay down. So right. So pick yeah. your version. Pick pick from the spectrum of Mary. Pick J. your Mary. <laughs> Mary is off for of all moods. You pick that Mary that is for your day. That's it. <laughs> all right. 
So I have a couple of characters that I want to diagnose that aren't necessarily um, main characters in the movie, but we're still uh, very important, very pivotal to the the plot of the film. Mm-hmm. Who that? Eveline. Eveline. What an evil witch. I can't look at her that way. Don't bring me no bad news. Why can't you look at her that way? That was a cry for help. She was mm. depressed. She was suffering from depression. That was a cry for help. She said, when I wake up in the afternoon, which it pleases me to do, that is hypersomnia. First of all, I and enjoy then, sleeping in. I enjoy a good, a good afternoon sleeping. She says, I wake up already negative. So don't bring me no bad news. Like, okay. she is deplete of things that bring her that she is able to receive pleasure from. She was depressed. No bad news was a cry for help. And we was looking at her as the as the bad person. Dorothy killed her fucking sister. It was an accident. She... And then she stole her shoes and wore them around eyes and First eased all, her ass on down. No, the, she did not steal her. With the scarecrow and the Tin Man. She don't know that she didn't steal them. She didn't know that Mrs. One put them shoes on her foot. She know that she killed her sister. And then when I see you, because I sent my people to go bring you to me, she wanted to have a conversation with her. Let me talk to you. Let me make you hurt how I'm hurting because I'm depressed. Let me make you feel how I feel. But take some things away that you love. And I see you and you got on my sister's shoes. That's like somebody murder your whole boy and wear his chain to the club the next day. All right, you might got a good point. If All somebody right. drop an O, or the, I mean a Z, on you, and I see them with the, they, your shoes on? Then my shoes? You gonna get them for me? <laughs> you gonna get they dog? I'm cutting they homeboy in half. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm flattening <laughs> they tin man, and I'm making them a hot dog. <laughs> with sauerkraut. <laughs> and busted. <laughs> but I feel like oftentimes women Black women are not allowed to be depressed. And if your no. depression doesn't exhibit as just sadness, if your depression presents in a different way, then you a bitch. That woman was hurting. She needed I mean, a hug. And she, she created a, a whole sweatshop because she was in pain and she needed people to feel what she was feeling. Now, granted, it's wrong for you to make other people Mm -hmm. suffer because you're suffering. Mm -hmm. But it's a result of us not caring enough about the healing of Black women and getting them the help that they need. You don't care? You don't care? I care. I care. I care. But I'm just saying, like, she also was, she was evil. Let's call it what it is. She was evil. I I mean, the woman's name is Eveline. So, yes, she was evil. Okay. She was evil because she was depressed. This could be a long line of hurt women. This could be intergenerational trauma. We don't know. If that's the case, then that's why her sister day was ever mean, ever mean and Eveline. Right. But then that goes back to okay, so what happened to why were these twin sisters so mean? Was they mama meanie mean? Missy mean? (laughs) (laughs) Mama mean. Then that explain a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? But also, I think, it, like kind of tying it to my little moment earlier with 2021 and 2020, it's like, don't bring me no bad, bad news. I think a lot of people are depressed right now. I think there are a lot of people who are like Eveline in that um, we're angry. Everybody's angry. And it seems like 
we just want to yell and be angry with each other. We don't want to listen. We don't want to hear or empathize with each other. We just want to, we want our part to be heard. And if it's not, if it's not what we want to hear, then you cancel. You're done. And it's just like, damn, can we, can we at least hear the other side? Can we just talk? I feel like just like how you, you made it, you made it, made me realize that like as black people, we are evilly. We angry. Not all of us are evilly. Not all of us are evilly, but we're angry. We're we're feeling this depression. And not to not to mention it's the added on layer of depression and social disconnection from the people that, that we need. I feel like right now a lot of the racial tension that's there is because every like we're angry and we're we're not allowed to express it. And then and then, you know, our counterpart feel as if, oh, you're attacking us, and they they get defensive and then they get angry. And so everybody... Because they scared. They're a bunch of punks. That's what that is. The same way that I want healing for us as a community, Evelyn did. She got flushed down the, the toilet. I don't know why her thumb was the toilet. But that's what it looked like. It didn't it, it sound like a flush and then the, t- the lid closed, right? Lid closed. So she got flushed down the toilet. So there's no prognosis for her. The same way that I want healing for our community, I would have wanted healing for Evelyn. Absolutely. And I feel like because Eveline was a dark skin, heavy set, ugly woman, Mm. she didn't get a chance at 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 somebody saying what happened to you instead of what's wrong with you. And I think I think that's the black experience. And I think instead of white people feeling as if they have to be (laughs) defensive. for them feeling defensive. It's just like, you know, instead of what's wrong with you, what happened to you? Y'all happened to us. Now listen, listen. That's what I don't expect them to do right. I have no expectation of them doing right collectively anytime soon. So maybe you as the evangelist could go out there and win a couple of white souls and bring them to some type of peace. But collectively, I don't see it happen no time soon. I can't take stock. I can't wait for them. I can't. So the way I see it is that I am going to, we have to hug each other. We have to make sure that Eveline is okay. Somebody need to go take her a, a pie or something. Some maybe if her tea. community had yet yeah, embraced her because she had just lost a whole sister. Maybe if she had some community to support her during that time of grief. But listen, though. She wouldn't have got flushed down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I also feel like as counselors, it is also our responsibility to send this healing of love, to send this healing of, of, of you know, togetherness. And we ha- we're the ones that have to do this. If we're talking about social justice and advocacy, we also have to send this message with compassion. We're, I mean, where have we gotten with this anger and advocacy? We've been yelling. We've been protesting. We've been blowing shit up. We've been putting shit on fire and had nothing changed. So maybe we need to change how we're doing this. It ain't always us setting the stuff on fire. And all of that is happening because we're trying to convince them. Forget them. We don't have time to to wait on them. We got to take care of us first. We got to make sure we good first because they are going to take forever. So this is the way I think about it. I think both things can happen at the same time. I think people like you who still have faith that that, that the goodness in people can... can, uh, I don't know, a uh, uh, change their evil way. But I think people like you, people, people like you should, should what make you mean should, people like me should make sure that the others can see the humanity in us and stop letting the world kill us. The people like me 
can make sure that our inner circle is good. It takes all of us to work together. We all have to play our roles. Your role is to go evangelize the racist uh-uh. white people and make no. them not racist. No. no. I'll not be on the inside making sure that the the that we good first. I'll be, you know what I mean, cooking, making sure everybody good so they can go out and fight the good fight. Like, I'm going to take care of the inside while people like you can take care of the outside. It takes all of us to work together. We got to play our part. Okay, so the Wiz, I diagnosed him with avoidant personality disorder. The uh, criteria I felt that he fit was um, avoiding occupational activities that involve significant interpersonal contact because of fears (laughs) of criticism, disapproval, or rejection. Um, he had experienced all of those things with his failures in public office. And so mm-hmm. then he created the Wiz so that he could be separate from those people and not get those same that same type of rejection. Shows restraint within intimate relationships because of fear of being shamed or ridiculed, like we said before. And then also is preoccupied with being criticized or rejected in social situations. Is inhibited in new interpersonal situations because of feelings of inadequacy. Views self as socially inept, personally unappealing, or inferior to others. He even was like, you can make fun of me, call me names, just whatever. He was okay with being treated badly because of the feelings that he had toward himself. And because he hadn't been around people in so long. I think after a while, that whole avoidant thing, we as human beings need a certain level of contact and connection with other human beings. And even even Dorothy told him, but he was like, can you get me home too, Dorothy? She was like, they had what they needed inside of them the whole time. She looked at him and said, I don't know what's inside of you. Okay, friends, that's a word for you too. Somebody's trying to get help from you and they ain't even helping themselves. You ain't got it. You can't win. <laughs> trying to help somebody find themselves, okay? Unless you uh, let them do the work for themselves. That, that's self-work. You can't take that on. I'm glad Dorothy was like, hmm, sorry, friend. <laughs> Leave it to the professionals. <laughs> Don't do it for your friend. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so prognosis-wise, I think really the Wiz is the only person who I have a negative prognosis for. Everybody else found what they needed inside them. It carried them forward. They had it. They now can go off and live their lives with that newfound, um, that new reclaimed ability that they were looking for and searching for. And Dorothy and Toto are going home and. The Wiz is just kind of out here. I mean, Eveline died. So the people at the sweatshop had a brand new day, which was written and sung um, the opening stanza by Luther Vandross, if you didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Wow. So that happens. It's really just the Wiz who just out no, here. You know, that's why you got to have your own sense, sense of self to mm. understand like the system and see beyond the facade, the see, to get behind that. Because it'll catch you. It's easy to get caught up in that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Shit, I'm, I get caught up in it all the damn time. You know, but it's just I don't been tried to. I don't tried to be seen in green before. Cause red is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just. But I mean, I I love the the choreography. I mean, the choreography in this movie, just in general. Period. Period. It's just amazing. It's phenomenal. 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 Um, it also makes me think about A&T. And it makes Aggie me, Pot. 
Yes. And it makes me think about seeing the Wiz at A&T. I did not see the Wiz at A&T. Our theater department was, is, and like, is just phenomenal as well. And they did the Wiz and I can't believe I didn't see it. It makes me, I think maybe I'm a little bit more saddened by the fact that the arts is going, um, they're having a hard time during this pandemic because a lot of plays and things aren't happening. And so I just, I guess I felt that compassion for it. And then also realizing that it what the whiz was also changed or was redone as a as a um a stage play again. Um and so I was like, man, I I it made it brought memories of me realizing like I know that the whiz at AT was the show to see and never being able to get a chance to see it. And now I'm like, wow, maybe I, I'll never get a chance. Maybe I shouldn't be so pessimistic, but that's how I feel. So instead of being pessimistic, let's reframe that and yes. teach it as a lesson for us to always seize the moment. And when we have an opportunity presented to you, making sure that you take that extra step, step outside of what may be a perceived uh, comfort zone and make sure that you are able to seize whatever moment and every experience opportunity that is presented to you. Carpe diem. Seize the day. That too. All right, so if you would like to support the show to help us get more content out to you all, you can visit our website and follow the Support the Show link to become a Patreon member or donate on our Cash App. Now, we're happy to get the kind of money that jingles, but we'd rather the kind that folds. As always, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the DSM Podcast, and you can subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment because we are counselors and actually care about what you have to say. So, until next time, peace. Okay, bye.